Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9, 11 a.m. at the main campus. At 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. Good morning, Faith Assembly. How are you guys doing today? Looking great this morning. So good to have each one of you here today. Happy Mother's Day. Want to take just a moment and just greet all of our mothers that are in the house. I want all the mothers to stand up. All the mothers stand up. Let's give it up for these ladies. These are incredible women. Happy Mother's Day. We love and appreciate you guys. My mother is here today, and it's great to have her in service with us this morning. And each and every one of you, we honor you. We're going to be talking about a lady in the Word of God today who was searching, who was looking for something, couldn't find what she was looking for. We don't know if she was a mother or not. I know she had five husbands along the way, and so she probably had a bunch of kids along the way. You can imagine the struggles of this lady trying to raise her kids, oftentimes by herself, stepfathers all along the way, and just kind of the turmoil that must have created. And so we're going to bring a message of hope to you. We're going to talk about a lady who connects to Christ even in the midst of her loneliness. And regardless of what's going on in your life and what you're facing, there's an answer in Jesus Christ. Now, uh, who can uh, the mission statement of the church, who can tell me what that is? A little bit better. It's getting a little stronger. Really bad last week. I, 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 I almost wanted to just... Let's try it together. Connecting to Christ, experiencing life. Everybody say that together one more time. Connecting to Christ, experiencing life. That's what Faith Assembly of God is about. We are about connecting men and women, boys and girls, to the Lord Jesus Christ that they might experience his life. There's incredible life in Jesus Christ. And we're, we're on a journey together for this month. We're looking at four different people from the Word of God who had a unique connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it forever changed their life. So turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 4. We're in John's Gospel. While you're turning, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired as he was from his journey. He sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now this is noontime. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as he did his sons and his flocks and his herds. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for this incredible story that uh, 
and placed in here for us. And I pray, God, for everybody in the house today, especially mothers and ladies who are lonely, who are hurting, who have gone through their share of disappointments. I thank you, God, we can come to you and we can drink from your well. We can have everlasting life. Do your work in us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look awesome this morning, and then you may be seated. Max Lucado tells the story of a cemetery that he visited in, in Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Lock Hill Cemetery. And he was just walking around looking at the gravestones and looking at what was written on those gravestones. And he, and, he, and he says he found a tombstone in the northern end of the cemetery and it had the name Grace Llewellyn Smith. And under her name, there was no date of birth. There was no date of her death, no dates whatsoever. Just had her name there and it had the name also of her two former husbands. And it had an epitaph and it read like this. Sleeps, but rests not. Loved, but was not loved. Tried to please, but pleased not. Died as she lived, alone. Isn't that sad? Isn't that a sad epitaph about a lady's life? You know, why, why are some people fruitful? And why for others does their life seem to be futile? Why? Why, why? why do we have this? Said on her epitaph, love but was loved not. Can you imagine the long nights? The silence? The empty beds? No response from all the messages she had left? No love exchanged for all the love she had given. Love but was loved not. Set on her tombstone, tried to please, but please not. You can imagine the words ringing in her ears. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. Why can't you do anything right? Died as she lived, alone. I wonder how many Grace Llewellyn Smiths are in our world today, all around us today. Maybe some even in the church today, even here this morning. And if there was ever a lady in the New Testament that this could have been said about her, it was this unknown woman from Samaria. We don't know her name. We'll never know her name. She's just always been known as the Samaritan woman by the well. And, and probably in all likelihood, her epitaph would have been very similar to this lady's epitaph, except for an encounter she had. She encountered someone that day by the well, and her life would never, ever be the same again. You look at the lady, and you look at how she is searching all her life, looking for something, looking for someone, looking for something to fill the emptiness inside. You, you see her search for satisfaction. It says in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And that's kind of the way this world is. You can drink all there is in this world, but it never, ever satisfies. It will always leave you thirsting for more. Nothing in this world can satisfy what you're looking for. You 
can imagine her eyes are squinting as she's coming to the well in the middle of the day, the, the brightest and hottest time of the day, the, the noon hour. And she's coming there all by herself and all alone and she makes her way to that well. And, and you can imagine her carrying those heavy water pots on her shoulders and how her, how her her shoulders must have stooped over under the weight of those water pots. But I want to tell you, the water pots are only symbolic of the burden she had been carrying in all this time. And she stooped over and she makes her way by a well. But she's about to have a divine encounter. I like what verse number four says. Now he had to go through Samaria. It's talking about Jesus Christ. He had to go through Samaria. The reason the Bible is very careful to put that in the text is because most Jews uh, took the long journey and made their way around Samaria when they were heading up to Judea in the north, or excuse me, Galilee in the north. And they would go around and they would bypass Samaria because the Jews didn't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. It goes back to 722 B.C. when, when the Israel, the northern kingdoms, were overtaken by the Assyrians. And the, the Assyrians took their best and brightest into captivity. But they also sent Assyrians back into Israel to repopulate the area. And so you have the Assyrians uh, marrying the Israelites, the Jews. Uh, and this intermarriage is going on. Uh, and when the Assyrians come back to Samaria, they bring with them all their foreign pagan gods. Over time, over those next 700 years, there was a, a turning back to Jehovah God and, and the one true God. And yet there was this mixed kind of thing going on, this idolatry. They built their own center of worship on Mount Gerizim. They had their own, uh, they worshiped Jehovah God, but, but it was all watered down. And they were considered half-breeds by the rest of the Jews. And they were not wanted. To, and, and so this is going on. Verse number 9. Look at what it says there. How can this be? Oh, excuse me, wrong. That was last week. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. She said, Why are you talking to me? Don't you see the, the difference here? You, we don't have any dealings with each other. Why are, are you asking her for a drink? And really, she's saying to Jesus, what is it you really want? Is there a hidden agenda somewhere? Because this has got to be more about water. And she's right, because it was more about water. Christ wasn't concerned about water. He wanted to touch her heart. So he comes right where she's at and right what she's going through at that time. No one had spoken to her with that kind of respect before. And he begins to tell her about not water from a well, but living water that she will never, ever thirst again. She says, sir, give me this water. Give me this living water so I won't be thirsty anymore. Jesus would not avoid people. Aren't you glad God loves everybody? That he doesn't bypass the Samaritans. He doesn't bypass the poor. He doesn't bypass the white or the black or the red or the yellow or any other color. He doesn't bypass anybody based on what they look like. He must needs go through Samaria. Listen, God loves everybody. There is no room in the child of God for prejudice or bigotry. 
You say, well, that's the way my mom and dad raised me, and that's kind of the culture I'm born in. Listen, the Bible always takes precedence over culture. And if you have any prejudice in your life, then you need to repent and say, God, forgive me, and God, cleanse me, because everyone is precious in his sight, red and yellow, black and white. Weary Savior makes an unexpected request, give me a drink. And, and what he does is he's really opening her up when he starts this dialogue. Give me a drink. He's allowing her to be the hero. And so he's trying to open up her heart and says, will you give me a drink of water? But with this simple request, he cuts through all the suspicion and all the prejudice and all that had been there between the Jew and the Samaritan all this time. Give me this, talks about this living water that I have. She talks about a well. The well's deep. I can't draw from the well. You got to help me. And, and, and the well's deep. And, and, and it's Jacob's well. It's probably 150 feet deep. It's cool water. But she keeps going back to a stagnant pool of water. Her law, her legalism, that will never answer her problems in life. But Jesus Christ says, I have living water to give you. And if you drink of the water I have to give you, you will never, ever thirst again you see the the well speaks of stagnant still water the living water is a fresh fountain spring that comes from the heart of god isaiah 35 6 he he promised a day and prophesied a day when the water shall burst forth in the desert and streams will come in the desert he, jesus is saying that time is here that time that Isaiah wrote about has come now because now I am that well of water. I am that stream of water and it will never, ever run dry. The water that, that Christ has to give is in, internal. The water that she had to give was external. In other words, when you receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life, John said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Uh, you won't find your satisfaction anywhere else outside. You can have all the money the world has, it won't satisfy. Have all the things, all the possessions, all the parties, all the fun, whatever it may be, you're always looking to the outside for your satisfaction. But the riches and pleasures of this world will never ever satisfy. But when Christ comes within, it doesn't matter what's going on the outside, what my circumstances may be, uh, his water is within, springing up into everlasting life. You find it in Christ. The water that Christ has to give is eternal. Look at verse 14, it says it will lead to eternal life. Jacob's well could dwindle down and be affected by the drought, the lack of rain. And, and Isaac, Jacob's daddy, was, uh, uh, they would always stop his wells up and they'd come and they'd pour rocks in it, trying to drive Isaac off to go somewhere else. And so you could stop up a well from flowing or, 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 or continuing to run. But the water of Jesus Christ is out of relationship. It never, ever runs dry. It is eternal life. It is forever. Isn't that great news? world can't satisfy not for a day but forever the nature of christ is full and abundant turn to turn to revelation chapter 22 revelation 22 i read this a couple of weeks ago but let me read it again he describes a river 
of everlasting life. But it's not a river. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. Revelation is a picture. Look at it. And the angel showed me the river, the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God of the Lamb down the middle of the street of the city. On each side of the river stood trees of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Uh, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve them. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Uh, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. That river of life is a picture of the presence of Jesus Christ himself. And where Christ comes in, there is everlasting life. The moment you say, God, I need you, come into my life, you you have his eternal life. You will never die. Your spirit man will never die. Your your body may go to sleep for a while, but it will be raised to a new life. It's a picture of the life of Christ. It's eternal. And and the fourth thing about this that I want you to notice is that that water is satisfying. Verse 14, you will never thirst again. Every place of worldly pleasure runs dry. It will never, ever satisfy. Something's missing. It's always going to be missing. You'll never find it. It's empty and dry. But the living waters that Christ has to bring, uh, they revive your parched, dry spirit, and it satisfies you from the inside. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation everything this woman ever needed is found in jesus christ everything you need today is found in the lord jesus christ he comes and he lives inside with you he is satisfying he is eternal everything we need is found in jesus christ the second thing you see this lady was searching for she's searching for love I don't know that she was searching that day at the well, but she had been searching for love for many years. Look at verse number 15, and you get her condition there. The woman said to her, said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have, what you have said, what you have just said is quite true. Searching for love. Relationships, busted up, messed up. Go call your husband. With one deft stroke, he takes and cuts open her heart takes his spiritual scalpel and opens her up and reveals what's on the inside. And you can imagine when she says, when he says, go call your husband, all the flood of memories that must have rushed back over this lady as she all of a sudden realizes I've had five husbands. Why bring up the pain? Why bring up my hurt? Why open up the closet and let all the skeletons come running out? And she flashes back in her mind. And and maybe she remembers that first day. I I was just at a wedding Friday night. It's the wedding season. And and every bride and every groom who get married, they have the hope that it is going to be forever. 
And it starts out with love and romance and excitement and you can't wait for the honeymoon and and you're going to start that marriage. But at some point along the line, the coldness begins to set in. And the hardness begins to set in. Maybe there's a time of infidelity. Maybe there's a time of pain. Maybe the hurtful words are begin to be shared back and forth. And before you know it, the marriage is on the rocks. And so we say, you know what? I'll try again. I'll go for another husband. Maybe husband number two will be better. Maybe husband number two won't beat me up. And she tries again and again and again. Five different marriages. Five different beds, five different rejections, slamming doors ringing in her ears. It's the reason she comes to the well at noon. It's the time of the day when none of the other ladies are there. They've all come early in the morning. They come when it's cool, but at noontime, no one else is going to be there. She suffers the heat so she can avoid the shame, the scorn. You see, the well in that day and age was that institution where everybody gathered around, not just to draw water. It was the hangout place. They shared their stories. They they talked with each other. They shared the latest news. They shared their latest gossip a little bit. The well was kind of like the Starbucks of their day. You ever wonder why someone would pay five bucks for a cup of coffee? Starbucks has become a phenomenon, not for the coffee, but for the fellowship. It's the hangout place, right? Where we hang out. Who in their right mind would pay $5 for a cup of coffee? You're going there for the social experience of going to Starbucks. And that well was their Starbucks. And they would hang out and they would talk and and they would share their stories. And you can imagine she'd gone to that well earlier in the morning when the other ladies might have been there. And they would say... Quick, quiet, here she comes. Don't say another word. She's walking up right now. Are they talking? Have you heard the latest? She's got a new man again. Or she'll sleep with anybody. She's a tramp. She comes at noon. She expects silence and solitude. And instead she finds somebody who knows her better than she knows herself. Jesus Christ. She had lived with a parade of men, five husbands, and now she's living with somebody who is not her husband. None of them lasting, meaningful relationships. And so this lady continues in her search and her quest for love. Won't somebody love me? Won't somebody hold me? Won't somebody accept me for who I am? It's kind of the symbol of our age today, this kind of lonely, restless, desperately looking for love. Match.com, this.com, search.com, romance.com, look it up. You're finding love now on the internet. It's not happening, so you go punch on a computer and you try to find christianmingle.com and this mingle, and they're all out there today searching, looking for love. And hoping to find it with a new man or a new woman. And hopefully this one will work out better than the last one. 
our generation that is known for sophistication in sexual matters. Now there are office affairs, live-in romances, uh, an onslaught of pornography and promiscuity. Uh, We talk about our sexual freedom uh, and our permissiveness, and yet we're bound to lust. And all those that boast of their sexual exploits are lonely and empty. You can jump from person to person to person, from relationship to relationship. Listen to me, it'll never meet the longing of your heart and soul. Young people, single people, college students, listen to me out there. You jump from one person to the next, it's not going to satisfy what you're looking for. It's only going to reinforce your loneliness, your emptiness, looking for love in all the wrong places. Shame drives us to hide our sin. And so what happens is when we sin like this, we hide it. We cover it up. We don't want anyone else to know. We creep around in solitude. uh, But nothing escapes the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows all about you. He already knows what you're going through. uh, And we wince when the Lord gets close to us or we come into church and we hear words that convict our heart and convict our spirit. But it's just like a broken bone. You don't want anybody to touch it because of the pain. uh, But unless you let the Lord touch and reset that bone, it'll never, ever heal. It may hurt. It may sting. It may bring incredible pain to expose the hurt and pain inside of you. But unless you confess that and give that to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him get close enough, the bones will never mend. When confession is made, though, you can find that fountain of flowing water that is everlasting, that will satisfy. Go call your husband. Go pay back that dishonest gain. Go make up that long-standing feud and broken relationship you have right now in your life. Go and recall those hurtful words in your life. Go and, and, and open up that defiled body you've defiled over and over again. And come clean and lay it all out before the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you lay it out before the Lord Jesus Christ, he can come in and forgive and cleanse and take every hurt and every sin away. But as long as you hide it, as long as you cover it up, as long as you stay away and distance yourself, you'll never find that healing for your heart and soul. Come to the living water and you'll find forgiveness and cleansing and healing. You're searching for love. You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. And then number three, she's also on a search for God. And you see her messed up theology here. Beginning with verse number 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now she's, she realizes he's, he knows some things that no one else knows. You're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. You ever notice how when you get uncomfortable in a conversation, you're witnessing to somebody. The first thing they say is, by the way, where do you go to church? Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit 
And in truth, the woman said, I know that Messiah called to Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Wow. Now, now she asked a question that reveals a, a gaping hole in her soul. And the question is basically this, where is God? Where is God? If God were really around, all this stuff wouldn't be happening to me. If God were really present, I wouldn't have gone through five men by now. He'd have surely guided me better. Have you ever felt like that? God, where are you at? My people think he's on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. Your people think he's in Jerusalem. She, She reveals her deep spiritual emptiness she doesn't know who to worship she doesn't know where to worship and she doesn't know how to worship she's lost mount gerizim it was there that abraham and jacob had built altars earlier it was there the samaritans because they were now outcast no longer accepted in jerusalem they built their own temple on mount gerizim And the Jews, of course, worship in Jerusalem. Uh, But on a deeper level, the lady is knowing, where is the right altar? Where can I come and find forgiveness? Where can I come and find my healing? Where can I have my sins taken away? Just as Jacob's well would no longer satisfy her thirsty soul, The old institutions, the old places, the old uh, uh, sacrificial system, the old temple, the old way of worship is now passing away because now Jesus Christ is our high priest. Now Jesus Christ is my place of worship. Now Jesus Christ is the temple of the living God. Everything is changing because Messiah had come. He says a couple of things. He says, I'm here. I'm here. The time is coming and now is. Everything is passing away. The old institutions are no longer. It's all in me. He says that the mark of a true worshiper is they're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. I want to look at that for just a moment. First of all, let's look at the truth side. They're going to worship me in truth. He says, you've got to know who you are worshiping. She is confused. And so he says in verse 22, salvation is of the Jews. What he is saying is the Messiah would come through the Jewish nation. And that time had come when Messiah was here. Right? Salvation is of the Jews. It was promised to Abraham that of his seed, they would bless all the nations. And through the seed of Abraham, the Messiah would be born. And so when he says salvation is of the Jews, and then he says the time is coming and now is, he is declaring, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you have been looking for, you have been waiting for, the time has come. And when Jesus Christ came, he came not only to reveal the truth, but the Bible says he is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so when he says, you must worship me in truth, uh, God can only be worshipped through the truth who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the, when the Islamic people, when the Muslims bow down three times a day, and they tell you we are all worshipping the same God, they are not worshipping God. Because God can only be worshipped in truth. 
And that means only through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was crucified, the Bible said the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom, opening the way into the Holy of Holies. I only come through the ripped veil of the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way I can truly worship God is through Jesus Christ. When he ascended to the right hand of the Father, the Bible said he offered up his blood for us as our eternal sacrifice. Thus the blood made a way for me to worship God. Worship is only through him. Now through Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest, it says in Hebrews, I have boldness to enter into his presence and worship him. You cannot worship God outside of Christ. The time is coming. And now is when true worship is going to be done in truth through the one who is the truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. All worship comes through him. It is the only way you have access to the Father. And then he says, you've got to worship me in spirit. Now, he is not talking about the way we worship. It's not a reference to your emotions Although when I worship God, my emotions get involved. And and I like to clap and I like to sing. I don't dance so well, so I try to leave that off. I don't want to offend anybody around me. I don't sing very well either, so I but but I do that anyway. I figure if there's enough voices, maybe it'll drown me out. You can fall prostrate before the Lord. There you can kneel in his presence. You can stand in his presence. But when he talks about worshiping in spirit, he's not talking about your form of worship or your emotions involved in worship, but he's talking about your regenerated spirit worshiping God. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look, if you would, at verse number 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. My spirit has been made alive by the spirit of the living God. And his spirit within me allows me to cry out, Daddy God, Papa God, because I know him through the Spirit. You have received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So until you are saved, if I can use that terminology from the book of Romans, are you saved? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Until you are saved, you can't worship God because your spirit's dead. It's not until your spirit's made alive that you can cry out, Abba, Father, and truly worship God. Until you are born again, we heard that terminology last week with Nicodemus, you can't worship God in spirit and in truth. And until you are redeemed, Peter uses that language, you can't worship God in spirit and in truth. But when I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life, when I receive him into myself, have a drink from his well, 
have that everlasting life. Then I am free to worship him in spirit and in truth. Isn't that good? Jump down to verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Notice she left her water pot. She's in such a hurry to get back to her town. She left the water pot. But I, I think there's a little more than that. She left her burdens behind. Her burdens are gone. She's now encountered the living water. And she no longer cared about the, what the ladies of the village were talking about anymore. Come and see. Come and see the one who told me everything. Come and see the Messiah. Come and learn about this everlasting water. And her account must have been so electric. They begin to leave the town and village uh, right on the spot. Uh, in verse 39, jump down. Look at what happens. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Now listen to me. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The sad fact is most evangelism is done by people who have been saved two years or less. And the reason that happens is because we get in church and all of our friends become church people. And we no longer are intentional about reaching the lost. Or number two, you lose your zeal and your passion and your fire. That's that's tragic. Verse 40 and 42, pick it up there, wrap up the story. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of this, his words, many more came to believe. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know this man really is the Savior of the world. You see, the Samaritans were just as thirsty as this lady at the well. But they found their satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ. They found the love of their life they had always been looking for. And now they came to really know who God is and could worship him in spirit and in truth. And they said, truly, he is the savior of the world. Listen to me. You may be searching today and you may be dry and parched. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the answer this morning. He is what you have been looking for. You may have been searching for love and had gone from broken relationship to broken relationship. The answer is not found in another person. The answer is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be wondering, God, where are you in my mess? You don't know what's going on to me. I want to tell you the good news is God is here today by his Holy Spirit. And he's able to connect with you and touch you wherever you're at. You can turn your heart and life over to him today. Now, we're going to feature every week in the month of May some incredible testimonies of ladies who had an encounter with Christ that changed your life. I want you to listen to this story that sounds maybe just a little bit like this woman at the well for just a moment. Hi, I'm Susan Purnell, and I just want to share with you this morning some things that God has done for me in my life. I grew up in a very loving family, one that was very Christ-oriented, very church-oriented. So I can't ever remember a time when God was not a part of my life. But I also led a very sheltered life growing up. And when I graduated from college and found myself ready to go out and conquer the world, 
I also found myself very vulnerable to the outside world and the influences of it. Um, left teaching after three years just to see if that's really the route I wanted to take. So I went into sales and there I met a man who was 10 years older than myself and he immediately saw my vulnerability and how naive I was and began to wiggle his way into my life and to take control of me and everything about me. Um, I lost my identity. My spirit was totally broken. I was abused in every way possible. I was thrown into the homes of strangers, living like a gypsy, going times where I was starving for food. And then I found myself pregnant with my first child. And he had wanted me to abort my baby, but I talked him out of that. But he never took pride or never showed love to our son at all. But in the midst of the time that we were together, we did get married. And then we were in West Virginia at the time. I prayed every day that God would remove me from that relationship and to save me from the hurt and the pain and the brokenness that I was feeling and that I was enduring. It was getting to the point where he was not only abusing me, but violence was being directed toward our 18-month-old son as well. And I knew that if something didn't happen, we probably wouldn't live to see another year. I never thought for a minute that I would ever be free from the bondage of that relationship and that marriage. But one day, God opened the door to walk out of the relationship and to look back and never regret leaving. But at the time, I was three and a half months pregnant with our daughter. So I went back home with my son and with my daughter and lived with my parents for a year, waiting for my daughter to be born and to find me a job. And God has been so good. He has blessed me and my children. I raised them for 23 years by myself, with him by my side, my hand in his. And he has blessed us and taken care of us. He has fed us and clothed us and sheltered us. And he has just wrapped his loving arms around us, and he saw us through it all. After living so many years single, I have so much love in my heart to give somebody, and God knew that because he created me, and he put this love in my heart. So after 25, 6, 7 years, God brings this wonderful man into my life, Dennis. And we've been married almost 6 years now. He is the love of my life. He's been my prince. He has erased all of the hurt that I endured during my first marriage. And he has made the most wonderful, loving father for my children. And they adore him. And I just thank God for bringing him into our lives and completing our family. And today, my children are great human beings. And I am a strong, strong woman not only physically, mentally, emotionally, but in my faith in Jesus Christ. He has always been there for me. And I know without him, we would have never made it. And I just want to thank him and praise him for what he's done in my life. Amen. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Uh, Sue's here today. Sue, stand up. Miss Sue Purnell, sweet lady part of our church body here. Listen, God, 
God is a God of second chances. And, and you, things may have got messed up in your life. Destroyed. Broken relationships. Hurt and pain. I want to tell you, God is able to give you a chance today. He's got living water for you. He's got what you need, what you've been looking for. It is all found in Jesus, nowhere else. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, it starts by asking him into your heart and life. Surrendering yourself to him today. You're here and say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Just raise your hand right now. You want to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You're ready to find your Savior, your Lord, your Messiah. Just raise your hand right now all over this building. You need the Lord today. And say, pray for me. I want to invite him to come into my life. Yes, God bless you in the back. Thank you, ma'am, so much. And just slip your hand down. There's someone else you need me to pray with you today. I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready to receive him. Just slip your hand up all over this building today. Listen, this message today resonates with ladies who have gone through brokenness, broken relationships. The woman at the well, five husbands, hurt, pain, rejection. Supernell, broken marriage of abuse, betrayal, wounds, hurt, pain. Raising her kids for 20-something years by herself. I've got single mothers in here today. It's a challenge to raise your kids alone. It's difficult. It's hard. Sometimes for no fault of your own, you just were abandoned. You were left, discarded on the side. And now you're by yourself. You've got one, two, three, four kids. Listen, I want to tell you, God loves you. God knows what you're going through. God sees right through to your heart. God wants to be your husband. God wants to be your satisfaction. God wants to be everything you need. It's found in Christ Jesus. And you're hurting today. You're saying, Pastor, that message spoke to me today. I, I, I just want prayer this morning. I'm going through some stuff, and I wonder where God's at. Raise your hand right now all over this building. Men as well. If you're just hurting and suffering, men, men go through it. We face it as well. You're here today and you're going through broken relationship. You've got pain, heartache, and you're wondering, God, where are you at? Where is God today? You're on this mountain, that city, this place, that place. Jesus Christ is here today. He has come. Time has come. Now is. We can give you all the living water you need today. If you need prayer, just raise your hand right now all over this building. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Heartache, pain, brokenness. Yes, yes. Loneliness, lonely. Yes, God bless you. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's stand together. Everyone standing. Our altar workers are coming. 
We want to minister to you today. Such a sweet spirit here this morning. We invite you to come to an altar just so someone can connect with you and pray with you. You don't have to carry that burden alone. The Bible says we can bear one another's burdens, help each other and minister life to each other. So I've got just some spiritual counselors and altar workers down here. They'll be here to pray with you. If you need prayer this morning, if you raised your hand and said, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, we're going to ask you to come down and meet one of these people up at the front. They're going to show you in God's word how you can be saved today and how you can know Jesus Christ today. If you're hurting this morning, you're broken this morning, you're going through difficulties, you're going through pain, if you just need prayer this morning, some of you just need, need prayer today, we invite you to come and we're going to pray for you this morning, whatever it may be. But these altars are open. I want the rest of us, let's worship the Lord as Kyle leads us in the song. Come now, come, come today. We're going to lift you up in prayer this morning. Broken marriage, broken family, kids away from God, come. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.